Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today I have inside the studio Jerry Patterson. He's the former Texas Land Commissioner. And you know what? I love this this bumper sticker, Jerry. It says, Second Amendment, defender of the rest. We got to get Jerry to run for office again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've, I've, I've taken the cure. You've taken the cure? Yeah, I've taken the cure. Not going to do it? Yeah. Oh, man. Also, I want to talk about gun detection systems. You know, with Texas constitutional carry going into effect on September the 1st, you know, some businesses are looking at getting some type of, you know, security for their business. They're looking at, you know, beefing up their security a little more, looking at getting gun detection systems. I don't know what they're afraid of, uh, but they're looking at, you know, different companies like Athena. I don't know if you've heard of that company. Uh, They came out with a gun detection system. They launched that. Uh, the beginning of this year to where, hey, you know, you step foot within their area, their business or whatever, uh, in the zone where their cameras can pick you you up, it actually can detect whether or not you're concealing a handgun. I want to talk about that today as well. And also I want to talk about Texas constitutional carry. I want to get your thoughts on, you know, how do you think this is going to, you know, happen come seventh and first? Is, is anything going to change in Texas? You know, I want to talk about that. You know, but I, I have a student inside the studio also. I want to get his thoughts on, you know, what he thought about the handgun license course he took this week. Uh, he's all nervous. He didn't know I was going to bring him on the air and, and talk about anything. <laughs> I had no idea. So he's all scared. You know, I, I have to sneak that in there. Uh, but I want to talk about that and, you know, get, you know, get his thoughts on that. Because I get a lot of people that will sit in class and they say, you know what? With constitutional carry going into effect on September the 1st, you know, my family members, everyone's telling me I don't need to take a class. You know, why are you going to class? You don't need a class. You'll be able to carry a gun without a license come September the 1st. 
And, you know, a young lady told me yesterday, she said, you know, everyone was telling her that, you know, she didn't need a class. There was no reason for her to come to class because she'll be able to carry a gun without a license. She didn't need a class or anything like that. And she said, you know what? She, she stopped me during the break. She said, I'm so glad I came today because, you know, I, there's so much information I did not know. There's so much I didn't know, you know, where you can take a gun, where you can't carry a gun. I didn't, you know, think about conflict resolution. I didn't think about, you know, when I'm driving on the interstate, I-35, you know, someone cuts me off or something. You know, she said, Michael, you made me think, you know, it's not about me. It's about something going on in that person's life, you know, that, you know, says, hey, yeah, you know what? Just let it go. It's not that serious. Something happened with that person at work. Something happened with that person at home, and there's something going on with their life, and they're upset about something. So just let it go. It's not that serious. And and so and she also said, you know what? I didn't know use of force and daily force. I didn't know when I can use the gun. You know what? You know, yeah, I'll be able to carry a gun come September 1st without taking a class, without getting a license. But, you know, can I shoot someone who's, you know, who just hopped my back fence, you know, at 1030 in the morning? You know, in my backyard, can I just, you know, can I blow them away? You know, she said, now I know the answers to that. I didn't know that before, you know. And so, you know, we talk about all that stuff. So it's good. It, it's it, And I cannot stress it enough because what happens is we get people that will give us a call during the week. And I say this over and over again. And every single week, people will call us and say, hey, I did this or this happened with a family member. You know, what do I do now? And at that point, I'm not an attorney. I cannot give you legal advice. All I can do is say, hey, you know, call an attorney. You know, now your life is in the hands of the jury because you should have come to class to learn what the law was first. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So come to us. I can bring you the water, but I can't make you drink. Want to talk about that? Don't take the law into your own hands. You take them to court. That's right. Now, check out this video here. Here's a video that I want you guys to take a look at because there's a lot going on around the country. It's 2021. 2021. And... Crime has gone through the roof. I'm going to talk about how Austin is in the top tier of the percentage of increased homicides in the nation. Take a look at this video. Yes. What do you mean? What do you need to know about me? I'm trying to figure out why you're so upset because I pulled up. Why you pulled up? That's the question. What, why you put up? That's the question. I, I didn't know why you put you put why you put up. We've been getting calls about. Two now you ain't made get a call about. My, I just pulled up to my house from off of work. This not you want to up with. I'm gonna keep it real with you. Why are you saying? I, this is not you want to with. You can pull up. all the, all the cops you want to pull up. This is not you want to pull up. Hey, put your gun down. No, no. Put your gun down. This is not you want to with. You got yeah. You tell my no, no, I put shit down. I'm not putting shit down. This is not you want with. Let me let me keep it real with you. Hey, man, man, get on my car. Get on my car. Yeah, I ain't get on the ground. I'm not getting I'm not getting on the ground. You with the wrong people. Alright, so this video right here, this is a guy in Denton, Texas. You know, he's in Denton. And apparently someone has called 911 on this uh, homeowner as he was driving home, maybe a neighbor or someone like that, not sure. And, you know, there's some confusion about really what's going on. 
and the police say that, you know, there's a little more to this story. But the bottom line is this. I don't want to talk about that. I want to get into the details of this particular shooting because we've got to wait until some more information comes out. Because the only thing we see is the, we don't see what happened before this, you know, what led up to the police and the reason why they had an interaction with this this guy in the first place and what was the reason for the 911 call. So what I want to talk about is the fact that why are we in this situation in the first place? I don't care, you know, what happens. I don't care uh, where I am, what's going on. When police show up, I got to remember, you know, I don't know anything about that person, that police officer, that police officer doesn't know anything about me. But what I do know is this. I want to get through this traffic stop, whatever is going on right now. I don't know what information that they have. I don't know the reason they came in contact with me. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this. I have had five police officers pull me over and point rifles in my face at night. And I found out later on because they were looking for someone to just rob the bank in the same type of vehicle that I was in. But if I would have, you know, came off as being combative, argument that that officer at that time, I could have gotten shot. You got to learn how to get through a traffic stop, calm those situations down, and then let your attorney handle those situations. Because this guy ended up getting shot. And this could have turned out in a totally different way. You know, there's still he still could win a lawsuit. I think he's going to get a nice little civil suit going on against the police department. You know, but that's beside the fact he still was shot. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I want to get into that. I want to talk about, you know, where we are, 2021. Here we are. The pandemic is is gone. It's come, gone, maybe come back, so they're saying, or whatever. And, you know, tempers are flaring. You know, people are being cooped up for a whole year. They're tired of it. And it's showing in our crime stats. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. 
All right, so we're talking about, man, we're talking about what happened and what's going on here in 2021. You know, the pandemic's over, come back, you know, whatever, starting to show itself, whatever, however you think about that. I'm not arguing that point at all. But what I'm talking about is how crime, you know, is actually increasing a little bit. And I think uh, homicides actually is what they're saying. The homicide, the percentage of homicide, especially in Austin, in Texas, is actually going up. You know, here in Austin, we're actually have exceeded the amount of homicides this year and all of last year. You know, we're going to we're going to pass 2019 when it comes to homicides, you know, in this area. And so what is going on? Uh, I think is the fact that people have been cooped up for quite a while, you know, um, and you look at, you know, look at Albuquerque. Albuquerque's up 90 percent. Austin's up 96 percent. Louisville is up 52 percent. You know, Austin's in the top tier. We are actually making records when it comes to homicides in this nation. Austin, Texas. It's a combination of a lot of things. It's a combination of the pandemics, combination of, uh, I think, defunding the police and not. Hi, Austin Mayor Steve Adler. You got a minute. You got to give them their resources. So it's going to be a combination of a lot of things. You know, Jerry, Jerry Patterson, sir. I agree with all you said. It's a combination of all those things, and it's also a general lawless attitude and. uh, I get the right to do whatever I want to. But you need to look to where the homicides are occurring that boost that rate. I mean, we have this hotspot here in Austin it's called 6th Street. I mean, what was it, 10 people shot on 6th Street about a month ago? 14. 14? 14? Yeah, one one death. And just this morning, looking at the clips, we had five shot in New Orleans. We had 10 mm. shot in New York. And all this shooting is done by primarily uh, gangbangers, kids mm. with guns. I mean, just stupid, stupid stupid stuff. If you factor that out, what would our rate be? So it's, I think pandemic is part of it. Cooped up is part of it. You know, folks have nothing else to do, but I think the driving force behind all these homicides is kids shooting other kids. Most of them gangbangers. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm looking at the, like the ages, you know, like 14, 15, yeah. 16, 17 years old that are yeah. committing these crimes. Yeah. Um, and cause someone said to me, well, Michael, you know, you own a gun store, so you're selling them the guns. No, I'm not, <laughs> not true. You got to be 21 and up <laughs> to buy a gun in the gun store. A handgun, you know, right? Yeah, a handgun. Yeah. So you, you're talking, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old that are committing these crimes, you know, that are getting illegal guns. So that, I, you know, I don't yeah. know. And that's a real good point. Illegal guns, and you know, of course, a gun can't be legal or illegal in and of itself, but they're Ill- illegally obtaining guns. And frankly, one of the sources I believe and this is why people ask me. I carry a gun all the time, all the time. I don't. I'm, you know, I'm here armed. You're armed. Whatever. And they say, why do you do that? Do you think you need to do that? I say, well, I carry a gun all the time in large part because I always know where it is. Mm. You know, the idiot that leaves it in the console of his pickup. Or leaves it on top of the dresser, so he's thinking his kid can't get it. But you leave it if it's on your person, the gun is not going to be stolen. I mean, it's like ninety nine point nine percent chance. But if you now you've got this gun, many of you who haven't attended Michael's class, you got this gun. You don't know much about safe storage. You don't know much about you know where what stupid things to do like leave it in your car. It will be stolen. You leave a gun in your car, it will be stolen soon or or later. Uh, so that's where they're getting the guns. They're stealing them, and then there's a black market for stolen guns. If you don't leave your gun out to be stolen, it won't be. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Uh, I mean, if you've got a gun, you've got to use it responsibly, store it responsibly. And uh, just like Patterson was saying, if I've got it, I would feel more comfortable keeping it on my person 
as often as possible because as you said you know where it is yeah and uh, honestly i mean i have to park my car outside currently i'm currently staying at an airbnb i would not feel comfortable leaving a, a firearm in my car at any point in time without my knowledge someone could come into that car if their only intention is to steal the vehicle they've automatically stolen the firearm whether they know it's there or not and if they discover it you know who knows what could happen and me being the person i am i would feel partially responsible if they were to discharge that firearm anywhere when instead i could have either had it on my person yeah. or yeah. just kept it somewhere else the other thing about keeping it on your person you know you know how and this is primarily guys cuz guys carry a billfold in their pocket you know when you walk out the house, you know, you, you, if you don't have your billfold, you kind of know it's not there. If you carry a gun all the time, you will know when it's not there. And therefore, if it's not there, you need to put it there. So, yeah, if you got to get a license or even if, and frankly, if you don't get a license, it's not the license that makes not getting a license that makes you an idiot. It's not going to class that makes you an idiot. If you just got this aversion to, I don't want the government requiring a license for me. Although, don't get the license. Go to the class anyway, and you'll learn stuff like Penal Code Chapter 9 that Michael referred to earlier about when can you use force or deadly force. You ought to know that. And all these people that are going to go buy a gun and start carrying it in the first of September, many of whom have never fired a firearm, or many of whom have. I understand that are going to be, you know, wandering around with no knowledge of when it's lawful to actually discharge the weapon. Right. And then uh, Thomas says, uh, does, it does not help that our DA will not prosecute gun crimes. You know, and I think that's that's another problem. You know, people knowing there are no consequences for their actions. Well, it kind of depends. He'll prosecute some of them. He's going <laughs> to, pro he'll, you know, he prosecuted the guy who, uh, I don't see any way he can get a conviction on the uh, Army sergeant that was the Uber driver that tragically shot someone who apparently intended no harm. However, that someone had an, had, a, uh, had an AK and was pointing it at the direction of the sergeant's vehicle. Right. We now know that what we know now is not important. It's what you knew at the time and how you made that decision. But our DA is prosecuting that sergeant, and I cannot see anything other than an acquittal out of this, but it's going to cost that sergeant a boatload of money. But then he, uh, you know, no bills, not not no bills, but he doesn't. He drops the charges on the, one of the shooters downtown that shot fourteen people. Yeah, I, I think what he's doing, he's doing like a power play, you know, where if he he gets a an indictment by the grand jury, then that opens the door for a civil case. So I think that's I think this for kind the of civil the, case by the deceased, right, by their family. I think that's yeah, what maybe so, maybe yeah. so, because because you're right. There's no way in the world I I, I think a jury's gonna. A jury's going to sit there and think, okay, do I want to, here I am, you know, whether, especially if it's a female on the jury, is it okay, you know, for me to be dri driving downtown Austin and there's a guy standing next to me with a face mask on and tactical gear at 10 o'clock at night uh, with the AK-47 pointed at my window? Is that, a, you know, <laughs> what am I supposed to think, you know? You know, is, you know, is that normal, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah that's, the guy just likes to run around and battle rattle and carry an AK, and that's just, you know. That's yeah, I mean, even though it's legal, it's legal to open carry a long gun in Texas ever yeah. since, like, you know, 1869, you know, but that's yeah. fine. But, you know, is that something you want to normalize? You know, face masks, tactical gear, yeah. blocking a roadway, you know, where you have a right to be in your vehicle, you know, making threats, you know, and pointing a gun at you. Is that normal? He's yeah. probably not going for a 10 p.m. run at that point. <laughs>
Oh, or a tactical run, maybe. He's doing a PRT. In the Marine Corps, we used to have a, a physical readiness test, which you ran as, you ran in, in combat gear. Then we had another one, which you ran in tennis shoes. But uh, So he was out for practicing for his PRT, I guess. Yeah. And, and then back to you know the interaction with law enforcement, I want to talk about that. Because when you know, we come in, you know, we come in contact with law enforcement, no matter what it is, even if you think a police officer is dead wrong in what they're doing, you have to try to get through that stop. You cannot argue a case or a situation on the side of the road. Uh, arguing with the police officer or police officers, you know, because they they may be wrong in what they're doing and what they're saying, you know, but arguing with them is it's not going to do you any good. It's actually going to escalate that situation to the next level, you know, because you're here you are. They think that they're right. They may be wrong, and they may think that they're right, you know, and you're arguing, thinking that you're right. You could be wrong, and nothing good is going to come from that except, you know, someone's going to end up getting shot. But what you can do is you can let your attorney handle that situation. Just get through that stop. You know, you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk to law enforcement. Show them your ID, whatever, identify yourself. You don't have to have any conversation whatsoever. As a matter of fact, you know, I have friends of mine that are law enforcement will call me up on the phone and say, hey, Michael, you know, what are you doing right now? And, and they're friends of mine. I'm like, hey, well, hold on. I don't talk to police. <laughs> You're a cop. <laughs> I don't answer those questions. You know, so I'll do that on the phone. Casual conversation. That's right. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> you may be my friend, you know, but no, I don't answer those questions. So, you know, it, it's up to you. You don't have to talk to law enforcement. But what you, got to, what you should do is get through that stop, get that traffic stop. And if that officer is wrong in what they're doing, you get an attorney and then you sue. That's how you handle situations. Yeah. Now, set yourself up for winning at a later time because you're probably not going to win at the present time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about that. I want to get into talking about the gun detection system because uh, I think that may be something that we need to look at downtown Austin, you know, maybe blocking off downtown, you know, and letting people into 6th Street, open it up, you know, but blocking it off so that way we can, you know, make sure we all have a good time. I like to have a drink and have a great time and have fun also. This is Michael Cargill. And you are listening to Come and Talking. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about interaction with law enforcement, talking about gun detection systems. You know, I want to I talk about a little more about the interaction with law enforcement. You know, there there's a section in the law in 9.31 that actually says that, you know, if an officer is trying to arrest you, you cannot use force, you know, or deadly force to stop that officer from trying to arrest you. So an officer is trying to arrest you, you cannot stop them from trying to arrest you. You have to let them arrest you. But then it says, well, unless, you know, it goes into an exception there. It says, well, if an officer is using greater force than necessary to arrest you, then you can use force or daily force to stop that officer. And I always tell people in class, you know, that's a lose-lose situation there. You kind of have to be careful with that, you know, because what if, um, you know, you you stop this officer, his backup or her backup shows up, they see you, they're going to shoot you. So that's that's a lose-lose situation. So you kind of have to be careful with that. And I want to ask Jerry Patterson his thoughts on that because Jerry was actually instrumental in, in writing the law and in, in getting um, you know, Senate, the, the handgun license 60, law on the books. Yeah. Senate Bill 60, 1995, and uh, the shootouts at four-way stops, blood in the streets, and Wild Wild West hasn't happened. But I think what you're – that, and I wasn't aware of that provision in the law, uh, but it's interesting. My hunch is this – uh, if the officer is using excessive force, uh, more force than necessary, then you have the right to use forces um, to stop that. I think that may have outgrown about some tragic, terrible incidents that happened. And one comes to mind that happened probably 40 years ago in Houston, Texas, uh, to a Hispanic male named Jose Campos Torres, who the cops grabbed. They didn't like him. For whatever reason, they ended up down on Buffalo Bio. And uh, in Houston, and the cops murdered him and left a throwdown gun. Mm. Uh, and when you have a bad cop, and they exist, I don't care what occupation it is, there's bad ones. And when you have, when you, I think that may be that provision of law may be so that in case Joe Campos Torres had resisted and managed to get away, he might have had a defense under the law uh, that he resisted arrest, he he got away, and then it was later shown that these cops were going to set him up with a throwdown gun. Uh, but again, I agree with you. There's, unless you're about to die mm. uh, or be seriously injured, I'm going to let the cop arrest me. Yeah, and, and just deal with it later. You know, let your yeah. attorney handle that situation because yeah. you, you're just not going to win that situation on the side of the road. And I hope people understand this, understand where I'm coming from, and then I'll get people later on down the road, you know, they'll say, oh, you're just, I forget the little term they use um, when they say, oh, you're just, um, God, what is it? It's um, You're an anti-liberty. You're a oh, whatever. There's a lot of terms. Yeah, it's, it's one for law enforcement. You're sheep. You're sheep. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just, I'm, I'm too pro-law enforcement, but there's a, that's like a little slang term to it. I can't think of it right now. Cop lover? Yeah, so, something like that. You know, and, it's, it's, and, and then I get people on the other side, you know, you're anti-cop. It's not, I'm, anti, I'm not anti-cop, I'm not, not pro-cop, anything. I'm just, I, I talk about things, you know. It's, it's really reality. a hard job. You know, I think everybody ought to stop and think this through. Put yourself in that cop's shoes. And they're, they're just continually, and he's trying his best, and finally he gets to the last shift, and maybe it's a bit of bad week, and something happens, right. and everybody regrets it. Just give the guy a break. Even if he's wrong, give him a break, and then come back and address it later. And if, if even if you just make an official complaint, because if this cop is consistently doing this stuff, you make an official complaint. There have probably been complaints before, and there will be complaints after. And at some point, maybe there's something will be done. It's not worth your life, even if you're right. 
And so now I want to change gears a little bit and talk about the Athena Security System. Uh, Athena Security is a company that's based right here in Austin, Texas, believe it or not. They're right there in Westlake. And they're, they're founded by formal Revel Systems founder Lisa Falzone and Chris uh, Tabarro. Uh, Anthony, uh, I'm sorry, Athena Security is a cutting-edge Apple iPad temperature detection and gun detection security system or security camera startup, pretty much. Athena Security is extremely accurate within three degrees Celsius, accurate for temperature detection and 99% accurate using computer vision and object detection to spot guns and mitigate crimes, uh, according to the company. Athena offers an, offers an enterprise turnkey elevated temperature detection system for fast, frictionless, contactless screening of pedestrians, traffic checking the temperature of up to 2,000 people per hour. Athena Security provides an initial temperature checker uh, screening that can be confirmed by a second medical uh, thermometer. Uh, so it, this system is supposedly pretty good. And even if you're concealing a handgun, they can actually detect that you're concealing a handgun by using like some kind of radar system. So you definitely want to – I want you to you know Google this information and educate yourself on this because this is technology that's going to – we're going to see this pop up. You know, we're gonna we're gonna see security cameras. We're gonna see systems. I actually walked into the IRS um, a, a little while ago, and they actually had a little system set up where they can detect whether I was concealing a handgun. You know, in in their lobby. Uh, so your federal agencies are actually starting to use this already, and there are several companies in Austin that are actually using it right now. So you know, you just want to educate yourself on this. So. They pretty much announced that they're they're using this technology. Uh, they they I don't know if they came out with it or what, but you know they're selling this camera system that you know you walk into a restaurant and the security camera can tell you know the restaurant can send a text message to the you know person that's monitoring the system that hey this person just walked in with a concealed handgun. So if let's say the business decides to post a 30.06, 30.07 or the new 30.05 sign for the constitutional carry people, uh, meaning that no one can bring a handgun inside, you know, then they'll be able to detect whether or not you actually bring one inside, you know, using this system. It's just a regular camera, you know, that can detect this. So, um, and I, I, you know, and this, this goes back to what people were, you know, complaining with me about with uh, downtown Austin on 6th Street, you know, because we've, we've seen a lot of, you know, you have your you have your fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year olds that are committing these crimes downtown, you know, on Sixth Street, and they're not supposed to be there in the first place. You know, you're not supposed to be there drinking at fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, and seventeen years old, and so you're definitely not supposed to be in and out of bars at that age, and you're definitely not supposed to be in in possession of and also carrying a firearm, you know, downtown and in and out of bars. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 14, but most of these 15, shootings 16. are on the street of crowds as they come out or after all the party time is over. Right. Which, it, but yeah. the thing is, I, I know, you know, I'm just I'm just thinking at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm willing to bet that they were in and out of the bars yeah, before that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, so what, you know, what I'm suggesting that the bars do is get together and, you know, maybe get with the city or something and say, hey, you know, let's go ahead and open up the streets. Let's go ahead and, you know, like we do Zoka Park, you know, for, what is it, ACL Festival, and block it off and have a little entry point and, you know, check people as they're coming in, allow them to come in, have a, you know, have a great time, drink as much as you want, whatever, have a great time. And, and 
and just, you know, enjoy yourself and do that on 6th Street. So we got to block it off because if we don't do that, we, if we don't get a handle of what's going on downtown, uh, this is going to blow out of proportion. You know, we're something else is going to happen. And we see this every few years, you know, lately where it is getting really bad. It started with uh, uh, one of the other festivals where the young man, you know, drove downtown, wrote, ran over a bunch of people with a vehicle and, you know, bust through the barricades and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's just I think it's just going to get out of hand unless we step up our security. And I do this in the gun store. You know, every few years I change my security. I update uh, update things. I look at technology and I said, OK, you know, this is going on right now. We need to do something a little better. So I, I think they need to look at this downtown Austin and say, hey, you know what? Let's, you know, step up to the plate here and let's do something a little more. We need to make sure our party goers are actually going to enjoy themselves and have a great time and also be safe. You know, you, you, they got to if, if you're not supposed to have a gun in a bar, then you need to step up to the plate and make sure guns are not allowed in the bar. You know, what do you what do you think? So let me get it straight. So you're saying Sixth Street, we should open it up, but basically throw up a 30.05 saying no one should be able to carry a firearm. Well, te- technically, if they do what they're supposed to do and make sure and, and, and all those bars are actually 51 percent establishments, that is, if they do this, which they're not right now. Because actually about 4,000 bars in Texas change their liquor license from bars to restaurants. But I'm saying if they go back to being 51% establishments like they're supposed to be, where you know people are, they're making 51% or more of their income, you consume an alcohol on the premises, guns are not allowed. Also, you cannot take a knife over five one half inches in those places. Then they block off the street because all those bars are actually 51% are technically 51% establishments, whether it says it on TBC's website or not. If they block them all off, have a entryway where you walk in and you check those people to make sure, hey, no one's carrying a gun, I think it would be a lot safer, and I think it would reduce all the shootings downtown. Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people that know the gun laws that are aware of what's currently going on right now, because I think there's a lot of people that don't know that mm-hmm. you could actually legally take a handgun into some of those places that oh, yeah. are not 51% establishments. Right. But I think that that would eat, put a lot of people at ease. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I have some issues with it, though. I Go mean, ahead. because you're blocking off a street, yes, a public street. Now, a, 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 a premise holder or a premise owner, you own the property or you are, you are leasing the property. You have an absolute right to determine, in my view, who can come on your property. And that, that's just, you know, so this Athena system, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be very wise because I think it's going to be a little while and people aren't going to be using it anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, but to try to cordon off an area. Now, it's done for festivals, um, you know, like ACL. There's streets blocked off and all. But that's a permitted process for a brief or a definitive period of time. But to cordon off the entire 6th Street area, including the streets, I think you might get into some constitutional issues there uh, about blocking off a street, full, you know, um, Although, frankly, See, and that's why I brought you in. Yeah, that's uh, frankly, it, it's a, it's a, it's not a bad idea. I'm just not sure how we do that to block a public street for people that, believe it or not, there probably are some normal people that go down Sixth Street at, on Saturday night at eleven o'clock at night. I don't know who it is. It sure as hell ain't me. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about doing it for you know like a limited amount of time, like? From, from, like, I mean, from like from like ten o'clock yeah. until two o'clock I mean, I in the think, morning. Yeah, I think I think that you, when you start doing that, you get more and more likely to be uh, unobtrusive and and constitutional. Uh, 
but just to say this street is you know, you could who has the authority of closing streets? I guess the city does. I mean, I think it could be done. It just has to be done in a manner that um, you're not affecting the general public. And that's why I'm asking because you know, yeah. am, am I going too far? Is am I am I you know trumping over your you know liberties? Am I am I saying hey you know Michael you know what about property you know private property owner rights? So you know I want yeah. I want you guys to tell me this. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Ture. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so, so far in 2021, the Austin Police Department has announced 31 arrests and 25 homicides. In three cases, the suspect has died. Now, in the very first homicide of the year on January the 11th, a man was arrested, but charges against him were dropped pending further investigation, according to the Travis County District Court. Now, the April 18th shooting counts for three homicides as a former law enforcement officer, Stephen Broderick, 41 shot and killed three people, including his ex-wife and adopted daughter. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, we're seeing this all year long, you know, these homicides, and it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. What do you think? Well, the ones that, the one about the uh, former peace officer that shot his wife and daughter, I mean, that's just tragic. There's a guy that's just gone off the edge and maybe should have never been a peace officer, but, you, you know, how do you know but, but that that's just tragedy. But the ones that bother me the most are really just the 14-year-old going down and going, uh, you know, waiting for the bars to open up and everybody to go out in the street and just start random shooting. I mean, what is wrong with the kid? How did he get there? I mean, it, it, I, I'm, they can't all be mental illness. There's something missing in his 14 years on this earth that put him in a position where he thought that was okay. Lack of a father figure. Yeah, I no, mean that's exactly, of, uh, yeah, exactly. That's probably the most obvious one, but yeah, but I mean, just what what were you thinking? And of course, when you're 14, your brain hasn't fully developed, and you haven't got all this. And I'm I'm 75, and I'm not sure that I'm there yet, but <laughs> the, I'm working on it, working real hard on it, y'all. But the uh, I I just shake your head, and you just go, how can it be? How can it be? Yeah, and no one suspects that either. You know, you walk outside a bar. You see, like, yeah. a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. It's, what, like, 2 a.m.? Everything just closed. Yeah. If anything, you're thinking, oh, where's, like, where'd your parents go? Or, like, why aren't you at home? And then if they brandish, like, a firearm, I'm, that's... I'm thinking, where's my car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's my vehicle? I can't find it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, it's just a shame. But, yeah, city of Austin now has as many homicides as it had the entire year last time. And that... that it, you know, I've heard them defend themselves by saying, well, you have to look at the uh, homicide rate per 100,000 population, and our population has been increasing every year, so you got to do it mathematically. Well, you're doing it mathematically when you have back-to-back years. There's no, there's no, you, you, the population is slightly greater, but it ain't twice as much in the last 12 months. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, and and some people are saying, well, is it a combination of, you know, that, you know, like I said, COVID, combination of law enforcement, uh, lack of um, 
funding for the police departments? And also, you know, what about the uh, gentrification? Uh, the you know, teenagers have no place to go because they're taking their parks away from them, taking different activities away from them, you know, like in East Austin and, you know, and stuff like that. So is that also a problem? You know, how is the leadership, you know, the mayor dealing with this? Also, how's the DA, you know, is the district attorney, you know, actually going to prosecute these people so he can say, hey, you know, this is not normal. You cannot get away with things like this. If you do this, you know, the full hand of the law is going to come down on you. And so, you know, you got to prosecute these cases. You know, and it, right now, you know, there are no consequences. You know, if I'm 14, 15 and I pull a gun out on 6th Street and, you know, start firing random shots, but I didn't shoot anyone well, and, and I'll get the case, the, yeah. the charges you're dropped. Juvenile. I mean, you're a juvenile. So therefore, you know, you you. If you're you would be, you could be incarcerated till a determination of whether you should continue to be incarcerated. If you're if you're what what's the age of uh, of legal uh, responsibility? I think it's seventeen in Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so up to seventeen, um, you know, you feel like you're bulletproof. Uh, but they can't. I'm a juvenile. You can't punish me. And 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 that's some of it because I actually went when I was in the legislature. I had a bill that was automatic adult certification for juveniles committing certain offenses. And then the court would decide to decertify them and go back to juvenile status. Mm. In other words, they wouldn't go around thinking, hey, I'm automatically off because I'm a juvenile. No, you're automatically being charged, and then the court can recertify you as a uh, – or, or certify you as a juvenile if it chooses. And I still think that would be a good idea because we have kids that are being told by the 18-year-old in the car, you shoot them, and you can't be punished. Mm. Yeah. And and tech, tell me, you know, what you, what did you think about your your hanging license course? What did you think about taking a class, and why did you why did you decide to take a class? All right, so it started off where I moved to Texas, and I think guns are a lot of fun. But <laughs> I've only uh, handled guns, fired guns at a shooting range, like maybe two or three times before in my life, and I came to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm in Texas, I want to own a gun. But I didn't want to do it irresponsibly. I wanted to know what I was doing with it, especially if I'm going to bring it into my home. And so I took the firearm safety course. And then in the firearm safety course, which you also taught, um, you talked briefly about the benefits of being a license holder. And uh, you just talked about, you know, if you run into law enforcement, you've already done a background check. It basically expedites your interaction with police and uh, just a few other benefits to having it. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to go through a safety course and it's not that much more work to get a license to carry. And that I see as basically just protecting me legally and, and, and giving me more freedom to carry my firearm in in different areas i basically saw zero downside to it and i knew that i was going to learn more about gun laws and uh, i learned way more than i was expecting to which is definitely a good thing but i just honestly after having gone through it, i don't see why anyone would be against it (laughs) well you'd be surprised (laughs) yeah yeah. the only thing that i'm happy about is that I carry, I ride a bike, you know, I've, I've tried to bike hard. I can't run anymore. My knee won't let me. And I carry a gun on the bike. Uh, and it's hard to carry a gun and your license because if you put the license in the little holster, then you forget to put the license back in your billfold. So now I don't have to worry about the license when I'm riding my bike. It really, so that that's that that's a positive thing. 
And, you know, and candidly, I have no problem with open carry, constitutional carry. I have a little problem with uh, concealed carry because there are going to be people. Uh, bad guys are not going to carry openly. That's why I have no concern when I see somebody carrying a gun openly. It's the one that you don't see carrying a gun is the one you're going to need to worry about if mm. they have criminal intent. Hmm. And, and, and technology is getting better, you know, because you're going to be able to, like I said, when you start, you know, yeah. using this new technology here, you'll know if someone's concealing a handgun. You know, they have the camera systems. You know, I, I even have some systems where, you know, facial recognition and stuff like that. You know, so you can I know when my employees are the ones is outside the door getting, you know, going into the building, whether it's a bad guy going into the building. You know, I, if they set the alarm off on an accident, I can say, oh, no, that's my employee that's actually setting the alarm off on accident. You know, not someone is breaking into the gun store. So a lot of this it's stuff, it does come in handy. It, you know, and I've had I've actually had to do that. You know, call the police, say, oh, no, 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 that's one of the employees. You know, that's not, you know, this is not the one. <laughs> so, um, you know, technology can work for you and also can work against you uh, as well. So you just have to, you know, balance that act. It's, it really is a balancing act. I'm interested to see how these gun detection systems are actually going to play out after they've been installed for about six months. Mm. And I, I suspect that there are people who are going to install these gun detection systems and then disable them after a while. Really? Why you say what? that? Yeah. It's going to be a pain. I mean, uh, is, is that in lieu of a uh, 30-06, 30-07 30-06, sign? Uh, I mean, because it would work. I mean, if you don't want to put up signage, and you have this detection system, according to the law, you can tell somebody to leave. Mm, you can verbal notice. You verbally, yeah, you can verbally, right. and they don't. Right. And they, but but in, in maybe not in Austin, because it's not exactly a gun-friendly town, but in other parts of Texas, it's, they're going to realize, gee, we didn't know we had so many shoppers here that were packing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, it's funny you say that, because I actually had a, a young lady, an older lady, sit in my class one 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 day, and during the break, she came up to me and she said, you know, I'm a retired air marshal, you know. And uh, I, was, I looked at her. I was like, whoa, retired air marshal. Good Lord. She looks like someone's grandmother, you know. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but, you know, she had just recently retired, though. Yeah, I mean, and so it, you, you really don't know who's carrying a gun. You know, that, and, and yeah. I mean, that's my point in saying that mm-hmm. is because, you know, looking at her, you would you never would have known that she was an air marshal who just recently retired, you know, carried a gun, sitting on an airplane. Well, you know, the air marshal program started in the early 70s, so that's 50 years. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember when, when they started, they were actually considering, th- Vietnam was winding down and there was a bunch of new lieutenants, myself included, that they were, what are we going to do with you guys? There's no war or the war is almost over. I ended up getting over there anyway, but so they were thinking about making us air marshals. Mm. They were just putting us on airplanes, a bunch of brand new commissioned second lieutenants in the Marine Corps, which is with a gun or a compass can be a very dangerous thing. <laughs> but, um, uh, but they didn't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just crazy, you know, and so you just never know. You never know who's caring. You never know. You, sh- you should assume everyone is. Yeah, because you just can't tell. You just can't tell nowadays. You know, they can be carrying any kind of way. Uh, someone look you know, that's in a jogging outfit. You know, they could be wearing a belly band exactly. or something like that. You just never know. I, they're, carried, they're when right. I, I carried a twenty-two Magnum North American Arms when I used to run because uh, it's small. You can put it in plastic so it doesn't get rid. You can hold it in your hand. You can jog. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you know just I, I love it. I I love carrying all the time. I love carrying multiple guns. You know, not just one caliber. Um, so, you know, I have, a, I have a good time with it. 
But I, your I, holster's empty on your starboard side there. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, got to make him think he's got nothing on him. Yeah. Just, <laughs> oh. Yeah. It, it gives people time to the complain. The whole fake out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They'll complain. <laughs> oh, hey, whoa, you got a holster there. And actually, they'll follow me around thinking that, you know, there's a gun in the holster and it's actually empty. And they'll say, hey, uh, we, oh, we just wanted to make sure that that wasn't a gun in there because you're not allowed to have guns in here. So I get that a lot. Right, this is Michael no, I just Cargill. an empty holster. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins of Bright Park News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so during the break, you know, you talked about, uh, Tech talked about that a bad guy is never going to open carry a gun, something that Jerry said. You know, Jerry, why did you say that? A bad guy's never going to open carry a handgun. Well, because he's a bad guy. He's uh, counting on the element of, dis- of surprise uh, and stealth, and uh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. You don't want to telegraph to a potential victim that you might be a threat. So, if I see somebody openly carrying, I'm automatically comfortable with that because I know he's not a bad guy. You know, um, I mean, I I suspect that's probably 99 percent. And that's pretty good when you get 99s. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think hope and carry is something that is a signal that there's no threat there. And so you're good with, like, you know, open carry, Texas constitutional carry, open carry. Yeah, and then, but then I have a problem. You know, I'm, I've been a pro-gun guy for quite some time, and I was the author of the Concealed Handgun Law in 1993, which Governor Richards vetoed, and then I authored it again in 1995, and Governor Bush signed it. And in part because of that signature, uh, he beat her uh, in the general election in 94. But um, I'm uncomfortable with constitutional carry. I'm not uncomfortable with open constitutional carry. I think if you're going to carry a handgun concealed, you need to have some uh, knowledge of of what you're doing and maybe a background check. And so that's heresy on my part, but I don't really care. There's a certain point in life where you don't really care what people think about your opinion. I've been there for some time, but uh, I'm uncomfortable with unlicensed concealed carry. Yes. All right. And then I want to ask you about the, um, you know, I'll ask you to give us like a little history lesson on Texas gun laws. You know, how do we get to where we are today? You know, where did they first start? You well, know? you know, interestingly, if you if you go back and study the gun laws and the uh, activities of law enforcement in the 1870s, 80s, 90s, and early teens, you'll find that um, uh, it was okay to carry open. And this is before the laws became, you know, there was a provision, I think it goes back to 1879, having to do with making it difficult or unlawful to carry a handgun. But criminals were the only one that carried concealed. So, uh, you know, in the in the West, you were going to be arrested if you were carrying concealed, but if you were carrying openly, you weren't going to be arrested because bad guys carry concealed. That's not true anymore, of course, but it was back then. Uh, and so that's who they arrested. Uh, and then the you know, the prohibition on carry began in the Reconstruction area when the Reconstruction government was suspicious of two types of, of, uh, of occupants of Texas at that time, and those two types were former Confederates and recently freed slaves. Those are the ones that were disenfranchised initially uh, about with the ability to carry a handgun. Uh, and then it became institutionalized, but it was, it was widely ignored in, depending on when. I mean, for many, many years, cops stopped you, you got a gun. If you like, he thought if you didn't think you were a criminal, it's okay. If you were a lady, you were frequently 
okay, ma'am, y'all, y'all, y'all going down the road. Because she, you know, a lady arm was a good thing. And, of course, there was the carry provision, and that wasn't statute. That was, I think, case law, that if you're traveling, carry you could carry, um, you know, out of your home county. So it was pretty – but anyway, it, it's interesting to, to see how they evolved. Yeah, because at one time, if you were traveling – uh, through more than one county, yeah. then you can actually cross have two a, county lines. Right. But that wasn't in the statute; that was case law. Okay. So it, when it was, I think it was an affirmative defense as as a as a, in, instead of a bar to prosecution. But it was, yeah, and that was wrong because it left up too much judgment to judges and law enforcement. It should be statute. It should be in statute. So. Now, how do you feel about where we are today? You know, I don't know that there's much more we can look uh, do to enhance our. Well, there are there is much more we can do, but it's mostly on the federal level. Mm. And you know, we, we there's some really stupid gun laws that don't make us any safer. Many of them, and the thing I always think about is the uh, short barrel rifle or short barrel shotgun or whatever it is. I mean, it's it, that's a class three firearm if it's legal at all. And so I somehow it's really bad for me to carry a sawed off shotgun, even if it's a double barrel or a pump. But I can carry a, a high-capacity magazine semi-automatic handgun with 17 rounds. But two shots out of a shotgun is something we don't want. I mean, that's just a stupid law. And it's a stupid law on suppressors. You know, there's no reason you should have to have Class three permit to, to get a suppressor. And that law almost passed but in in Congress. But something bad happened, and they all lost their they lost their cojones on that one. But there's a lot of stupid laws. Mm. And they're not necessarily unconstitutional, but they're stupid. And then there's some laws that are unconstitutional that are better. And I think uh, that the Biden administration is going to try to do by by uh, uh, by executive order uh, things that are unconstitutional. Now, they're trying to pass. Well, it's already passed. Sorry about that. It's already passed and signed by the governor, Governor Abbott. Uh, but a lot of people are getting excited. That's what I meant to say. A lot of people are getting excited about the Texas uh, suppressor bill, Texas silencer legislation, House Bill 9- 957. Uh, so that has been signed by the governor. It's going into effect on September the 1st. And I have people walk into the gun store saying they can't wait till September the 1st because they'll be able to buy and own a suppressor without get, going through the NFA process. You know, and I want to get your thoughts on that. It's an affliction of politicians to pass legislation that so they can go home and say, look what I did even though what they did makes absolutely no difference. And this suppressor law makes no difference. Other than you can say that, okay, we've already passed it, and if the federal law comes along, then our Texas laws are automatically in play. But don't do it. I don't care if, the, you know, the, inter- the Commerce Clause is not going to protect you. Uh, if you have a suppressor, even though you think you bought it lawfully because the state law has changed, and and somebody and they find that out. Even local law enforcement, you're probably in deep kimchi. Yeah, and 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 the ATF actually responded uh, last week. They said, "Hey, you know what? We got a response for Texas." They said, "You know, the purpose of this letter," and they sent this letter out to all federal firearms licensed dealers in the country, um, and you know, and focus focus on Texas. Say, hey, the purpose of this letter is to provide guidance on your obligations as a federal firearms licensee uh, in Texas. The following guidance is intended to assist you in accomplishing this goal. This letter does not impose any obligations. It merely confirms the continuing applic- uh, applicability of existing federal obligations. 
so the passage of Texas House Bill 957 with an effective date of September the 1st of 2021 has generated questions from industry members as to how this state law may affect them while engaged in a firearms business activity. House Bill 957 claims to exempt silencers, also known as suppressors, that are manufactured in Texas and which remain in Texas from federal firearms laws and regulations, including the federal registration requirements. However, because House Bill 957 directly conflicts with federal firearms, license, uh, federal firearms laws and regulations, federal law supersedes House Bill 957. In summary, all provisions of the Gun Control Act and the National Firearms Act, including their corresponding regulations, continue to apply to FFLs and other persons in Texas. They go on to say, as you know, uh, 18 U.S.C. 923 requires a license uh, E to engage in the business of manufacturing or dealing in firearms, even if the firearm remain within the same state. All firearms manufactured by a licensee must be properly marked. Additionally, pursuant to 27 CFR 47.123, each licensee must record the type, model, caliber, or gauge, and serial numbers of each firearms manufactured or otherwise acquired, and the date such manufacture or other acquisitions was made. The required information must be recorded in the licensee's records no later than the seventh day following the date such manufacture or other acquisitions was made. In addition... To possessing a license under the GCA, uh, the ATF requires an FFL engaged in business of manufacturing or dealing in, in NFA firearms, including silencers, to pay a special occupational tax. Furthermore, an approved ATF Form 4 and firearms transaction record is required prior to the disposition of an NFA firearm, which under the NFA expressly includes a silencer to an unlicensed person. Now, the approved Form 4 indicates registration of the firearm silencer to the transferee in the National Firearms Registry and transfer record. These federal re requirements apply regardless of whether the NFA firearm silencer has crossed state lines. And if you have any questions, contact them. And I'm telling you, you know, and I'm the type of person, you know, that has, I, I filed lawsuits against a lot of different entities, you know, the city of Austin, you know, we got a lawsuit against the city of Austin right now. I got a lawsuit going against the, the federal government, the ATF, and also the DOJ for bump stocks, you know, and they, against the city of Austin, you know, for license holes to be carrying their built, you know, be able to carry in their buildings and things of that nature. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, don't do this. Don't try it, you know, because uh, this is something, this administration is not playing around. And if you think you're going to try something like this, you're going to be looking at a felony and you're going to be depending on the AG to come to your aid. And I don't think that they may not be able to help you. And this is the administration you don't want to do that with. You might want to wait until another administration comes in and try this. Right now, I'm telling you, don't do it. Look, this yeah. same thing's been done in Kansas. Don't, don't do it. I don't care what administration it is. <laughs> if, you, if you think that on the 1st of September you can go to Bubba's Welding and Fab and buy for $200 a suppressor and be legal, you're a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> we come back from the break. I'm going to get your how you really feel about that, Jerry. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so uh, Jerry Patterson, tell me, you know, what you know, what are your thoughts on this suppressor bill? You know, is this? Is well, this... I think Shakespeare would have uh, put it much ado about nothing, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Will it work? Can you, can't, you, you think it'll work? What's the purpose of them passing this bill? Well, that's what politicians it's, do. Have, I'm a I'm a recovering politician. You know, I'm, I've been. I've how been, many years have been clean? I've been clean about five years now. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> It, and that's what we do. What can I do that looks good, that I can brag about, that does absolutely nothing? And, and uh, to, to be fair, not everybody does that, and it, but it is a little bit. It's something, something similar to sanctuary cities, whatever you're being making in a sanctuary from. It's a feel-good legislation that changes nothing. Yeah. What do you think? Uh I mean, I know basically nothing about gun laws, so. <laughs> well, then you you ought to be a member yeah, of the legislature. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was wondering. That's why I asked Jerry off the air, and you too. I was like, so what effectively does this change? And both of you, without thinking, go, <laughs> nothing. So I go, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess it's symbolic. I mean, stuff has symbolic significance. So there may but be does some- this have symbolic significance or is it more empty than anything well uh, you know i guess the symbolism would be that this is what we want in texas y'all need to do that in uh, in congress but yeah it's yeah and so, i don't even know who's the author of it other oh man uh, don't know it'll tell me in a minute and, but yeah for this to have any meaning then it would have to like this law is Oler, right now on the Oliverson? Oliverson? Uh, Oliverson? Oliverson. Oliverson. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think I don't. I don't know him, but I. I mean, he, he's not known as a guy that does stuff. Just, I mean, I, I don't know him. I, I know very few of him anymore. Yeah, but in other words, there's a federal preemption, and gotcha. federal and the feds license FFLs, and the FFLs have to do what the feds do, and anybody. So yeah, uh, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, just to be, uh, it, it, it's going to lure people in that are weak-minded, don't know any better. I'm telling you, don't do this. I, I, I want my my gun owners to be safe. I, I want you to stay out of jail. You know, I want you to be here. Four years down the road, we're dealing with another administration. You know, well, you know, they're not necessarily weak-minded. Uh, they just uh, they they heard that they saw it in paper, and right. these people are too busy. You know, they're working maybe two jobs. They got all kinds of responsibilities. They happen to notice that. And they go, well, I wonder if I can. I mean, they may not be weak-minded or... Don't get tricked into the, you know, the, yeah. the little headline of the story. Exactly. It, and as you, yeah, exactly. Forget the headline. Because <laughs> they will sucker you. Just like constitutional carry. They, hey, constitutional carry is going to effect. You don't need a background check to carry a gun. <laughs> that's that's how the headline, you know, a lot of the headlines went out. I was like, what? Why do they say background check? Where, where'd that come from? What a background check having to do with carrying a gun? So it's just... most 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 reporters, actually, the the more senior reporters, the the junior reporters, and there's more and more of them as a proportion of reporters because newspapers are performing so poorly economically, they can't keep the good help around, so they keep retiring the senior knowledgeable guys. But the, the, I, I see stuff in the paper all the time uh, that reporters uh, in the local dailies, Texas dailies, who write stuff about firearms that's just patently bogus, and they don't know any better. I mean, they've been watching too many cop movies or whatever. Uh, um, you have a permit for that gun? <laughs> no, like... and I don't need no stinking permit either. Um, <laughs> and just just like uh, walking into the gun show, say, hey, you don't need a background check to buy a gun from a gun show. You know, we know that's not true. 
<laughs> yeah, 90% of the sales are, are dealer sales. Right. I mean, is that about right? I hadn't That's been right. in the gun show in a long time. Yeah, the majority of people that sell guns in the gun show are dealers, and they have to do a background check. Or exactly. It's a felony. Yeah. You know, you, you can, you can, I mean, if you want to sell one of your guns as a private person to someone in the parking lot at Walmart, you can do that. Well, you know, and then I, as I mentioned earlier, before the show started, I, we we had a, a neighborhood. Uh, we have an annual yard sale. All everybody in the neighborhood gets out on the street and starts selling stuff. And I had two double barrel shotguns, and I have too many double barrel shotguns. I went through a period in life when I had an affinity for cheap double barrel shotguns. So I'm sitting out there with two double barrel shotguns on the table in front of me. And, you can you? What are you doing? Are you are you selling those rifles? Are those assault rifles? Oh my goodness! Are you you serious? can't do that. Uh, well, right. but they weren't wearing a mask when they asked. <laughs> <laughs> right? I said, "Yeah, I can." If you got four hundred and fifty dollars, one of them can be yours. Oh my goodness! <laughs> just the level of ignorance is just overwhelming. All right. Now, on the side note, there, you know, tell me, did you get the vaccine? Yeah, I've got. I had. Uh, I got Moderna, Moderna vaccine, in for double insurance. I got the Pfizer too. Oh, you did. <laughs> I got. Uh, you did them both. Yeah, I, I wear a. I wear a, a mask in my truck all the time, even when there's nobody in there with me. Uh, oh my goodness! I see people no, doing I, that. I, drives I, had, me nuts. I got the. I got the Moderna, oh. and, I, and and I don't wear a mask anymore after I got it. Why do I, Why do I see people driving down the road? Wearing a mask. Well, you know, I've done that because I'll go to the store by yourself. Yeah, I, yeah I'm usually. But by you forgot to take it off. I did, Is that yeah, what because frankly, yeah. it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, and then the other problem with taking your mask off, if you're like me, you, if you wear glasses mm-hmm. and you yes. have hearing aids, right. you want to take that mask off, and I, you can, fl- you know, that rubber band thing that goes around your ear can fling that hearing aid all the way <laughs> across the room. So, mm. it's just everybody. It, it, it should not be a badge of honor that you don't. Or do yeah, wear I a agree. mask. Just give it up. But <laughs> the other day, I did see someone outside we're, we're in the mask. open yeah. wearing a mask, and it's hot out. And I'm just like, it's a hundred degrees it's today. Like, yeah, it's those. It was gnats. Gnats. Yeah, you know were, what? Nat, That's right. It's a they, nat, the first they get line stuck in the beard hair. <laughs> it's like a mosquito net, but for your face, gnat net. Now, you're going to see a picture of me pretty soon on Facebook page with my new mask, which is a plastic, a head-sized plastic bag that slips over down to the shoulders. I actually have one of these, and it, it works. And, uh, you know, I, I don't need no stinking mask. A plastic, <laughs> plastic bag does just well. 100% insulation. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then uh, this this current administration is coming out with some really crazy things. You were talking about the federal law on the federal side there. You know, it looks like uh, we're going to have some issues with, uh, you know, the our pistols, like AR pistols with a brace on it. Yeah. You know, and AK pistols and things of that nature. Looks like they're going to come down with some restrictions on that. I think they're going to do something, and they have to do it within the next year. Um, and we need to, you know, pay attention yeah. to this because uh, within – after next year – I think the House or the Senate is going to flip, and they're going to lose this opportunity. So yeah. they've got to do it this year so, and next this, year. This is another law. I mean, of course, this would be executive action. But so they can say they did something. Mm-hmm. In the bottom, at the end of the day, what they're talking about doing with I don't I don't have a pistol brace weapon. I don't know why the hell anybody want one. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make us any safer. No, it's not going to we, stop it crime. It makes no measurable difference in firearms homicide. Right. Uh, just just like you know, passing the, the the doing the bump stock thing. You know that. You know, by the ATF, that does nothing. It, it, there's one incident that happened with the bump stock. I don't know of anything else that actually happened with one, and that's that's questionable whether or not he did use it or not. And, you know, 
That's the one in Las Vegas. Right. And so because of that one little incident, they've put so much attention on that and so much focus on it. And they they exaggerate the efficacy of a fully automatic weapon. Mm. You know, any semi-automatic, I can just, uh, as many people with a semi-automatic as I can with a fully automatic. Well-aimed shots are in a crowd like was in Las Vegas. Semi-automatic is much better. Yeah. It just, it's just silly. It's the stuff that they do that does nothing to make us safer, even if, I mean, if, even if it were unconstitutional or not a good idea, uh, it, they do stuff that doesn't make any difference. It's like the AW ban from 94 to 2004. If it had a pistol grip, it was more dangerous. <laughs> if it had a bayonet lug, how many people have had mass, mass uh, homicides with a bayonet? I mean, it just hadn't happened to my knowledge, mm. but they do this stupid stuff. Yeah. But yeah. on the note of safety, uh, you mentioned a lot of laws that people pass in the name of safety that you say are actually not effective. They're not going to accomplish that. What is... It's not safety, per se, like safe gun handling. Is it reducing firearms homicides? Right. But what bills, what laws do you think contribute to a reduction in homicides? You know, that's a really... If any. Well, I'm sure there there are some. I mean, and it has to do with keeping firearms away from people who are uh, who are inclined to commit violent crime. And, uh, you know, there there is a law currently, if you're a felon, you can't possess a firearm. Now, I'm, I'm a little ambivalent. I think there are many people who are felons who the felony had nothing to do with harming anyone mm. else. And I also think that, frankly, if you have served your sentence... If you're a felon, but you have served your sentence, your parole, your probation, whatever post confinement adjudication, then you should be considered for a complete restoration of your rights, including firearms, including voting, is and with exceptions. Uh, I mean, there could be an exception um, that somebody shouldn't should never be able to lawfully possess a firearm. What are some exceptions well, that you uh, would consider? Uh, let's say they had multiple convictions for assaultive offenses, mm. or maybe just one conviction for an assaultive offense. Um, and, and so that, you know, an assaultive offense, yeah, yeah. But you would want to consider the nature of the I, Yeah, I would. Just because you had, and I had a really close friend of mine that was involved in the savings and loan crash and got a felony conviction for on a bank deal. And if you know about it, he essentially took the rap for his father, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a felon. And he got a pardon from the Clinton administration, but it wasn't easy. All right. I want to thank Jerry for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely, sir. I always enjoy having you inside the studio. I always enjoy listening to you talk about the history and, and just giving us some insight on our gun laws because you, know, you were there when it was happening. And thank you, uh, Tech, for coming into the into the studio. Also, pleasure to be here. <laughs> Didn't realize it was going to go down this way, but I had fun. You thought you were going to be sitting in the audience. Yeah, I well, did. Well, you got here and found out there was no audience. Yeah, I thought I, 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 thought I was going to be a front row seat. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to be in this seat. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talking with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 